if you want to be successful in anything, communication, and it doesn't matter if you're shy, it doesn't matter if you're introverted and you don't uh, necessarily, and I'm using air quotes, like to people, um, you still have to be a good communicator. And so that's just the bedrock of everything. And I think a lot of people overlook that sometimes. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, Tribe. Have you ever met somebody who, after you finish talking to them, you're just like so blown away by their inner strength, calm, and wisdom? Today's guest was one of those people for me. Odell Bazell is a professional speaker. He's given over 300 talks. He's inspirational, motivational, and funny and kind and generous, all wrapped up into one. And we talked about how to be a better communicator um, and how we can solve so many problems by learning to communicate more effectively. So think about, you know, if you're using text or email to solve problems instead of picking up the phone or having conversations, he explains why talking to people and how to do it effectively so that you're not in a situation of confrontation. Uh, can really be the game changer, not only in your business, but for the world, right? If we all just sat down and listened, what could happen? The possibilities are endless. So I'm really excited and happy to bring this episode to you. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did in talking to Odell. Hey, Odell, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders. I am super excited. I've actually been looking forward for like weeks to have you on the show and we were just talking before that you're just coming back from vacation. So I'm honored that I get to be one of the first things you do kind of rolling back into, into the work part of your, your life. So welcome. Well, hey, I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that we uh, got to connect and excited to be, uh, be sharing with your audience. Yeah, me too. Me too. Share with everybody a little bit about who you are and the magic that you make, because I've been following you on Instagram and LinkedIn, and I love your reels and videos. You are incredibly inspiring, um, and you have like the most amazing radio voice. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I appreciate that. So um, the the progression of of my career has been uh, from from outside looking in and looks it looks pretty um, uh, continuous. Like it kind of looks like I've been doing a lot of the same things, but I like to tell people um, I'm just a work in progress, uh, trying to get better and better. Uh, the foundation of everything that I do is grounded in communication. 
And um, I believe that the only way that we can become successful in life is to become really great communicators, not just with others, but with ourselves. And so all of the work I do is grounded in that. Uh, how that shows up is usually through uh, my public speaking work, um, working with companies, working with organizations, uh, teaching them how to create safe and profitable spaces for their leaders. And uh, it also shows up through books. Um, I write lots of books. I have <laughs> however many uh, works in progress uh, that you want to say without me seeming like I'm scatterbrained. I have so many, uh, but I've written uh, and published uh, nine books uh, as we're talking, uh, and they are uh, centered on uh, different subjects uh, related to success, motivation, and uh, again, that internal communication. Uh, so, yeah, that that's that's my work. And that's been my work for, oh, gosh, since 2008. Wow. All right. So a long time. A little bit, a little bit. So I'm always curious um, with authors, what is your process for writing a book? Does it take a while? Or are you one of those people that can do it on a weekend? You I mean, have nine books. That's that's a lot. I'm a I'm a binge creator. Um that if anybody follows me on Instagram, follows me on, on anything, I will create a chunk of stuff and then schedule it to be released. And that's the same way that I do books. Um, I have an idea for a book. I put it on my uh, so-called drawing board. And then when I'm ready to activate it, I go to it, create an outline. And if there's research that has to be done, I'll go ahead and do that ahead of time. And then I'll go straight into the story. And usually once I set my mind to uh, I put a deadline on a book. So I say I'm going to finish it by July 31st. I just that's my boom, 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 boom. Then the editing process, which is painful, the most painful part for me uh, after the editing process, it, it's it's just, um, you know, right. Right then and there. And I self-published my books uh, for profitability and uh, and speed. So. That's the process. That's awesome. Um, do you have somebody do your editing? Of yeah, uh -huh. yes, I have. Now I have two people uh, that that do it. So there's self editing. And anybody listening, if you want to write a book, um, don't try to edit it as you go along. Uh, I know the the desire to do that is 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 great, but write it, get it all out. And then you can go back and self-edit it where you're using your eyeballs to look through it. Then you want to get a fresh pair of eyes. Then you want to get another fresh pair of eyes. And the spoiler alert is there might be a mistake or two, even after those two. Uh, I've seen major published books with mistakes. Oh, yeah. So don't don't get caught up on the mistakes. Just have a couple eyeballs look at it, a couple eyeballs that you trust or, you know, make sure. Uh, you're paying somebody uh, well as a good editor and then produce it. But that's that's what I would suggest as, as it goes for editing. OK, yeah, because that's I mean, I haven't written a book, but even with the content that I do write, I generally have somebody else, um, somebody else look at it just because sometimes if it makes sense in my head, it doesn't mean that it makes sense in anybody else's head. <laughs> <laughs> So now, how did you, or I guess why communication? Like that's one of the things um, that's really important to me because I feel like we can, if we're if we're really listening and we're speaking what's on our heart, we can solve all problems. 
Um, but a lot of people don't communicate well. So what drew you to really being a great communicator yourself and creating a space for other people to learn how to improve? Well, I have to give um, respect and, and admiration and all that good stuff to my to my grandmother and my dad. Uh, they always uh, over talked to me. So <laughs> they they always whether it be a lecture uh, of something I did wrong, whether it be uh, a lecture that'll turn into a Bible story that'll turn into a sermon. Um, my dad and my grandma, they still to this day, if I talk to them for any amount of time, it's going to be a Bible story and then it's going to go into a sermon and uh, some sort of lecture. So having that experience when I was young, I was engaged with it. I didn't always listen, obviously, but I, I always engaged with it. Right. And both my grandma and my dad made things very plain for me to understand. So even if I made a mistake, I knew, OK, this is why I made the mistake. This is what I was doing. And so that's that's just been a part of my life. And, and I understand that now as as an adult and, you know, getting married and having friendships with other adults, that wasn't always the norm, especially right. with with children. And in my generation, it was, you know, kids are seen, not heard. Um, you're not allowed to ask your parents why. Um, my grandma and my dad both entertained that. Um, they always say, okay, this is why. Um, instead of, you know, do this because I say so. Right. It was always do this because if you don't listen, you have a bad consequence that will hurt you. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I just, I always over communicated. And then when I went to college, I was looking at majors. I don't know how how you chose your major or how uh, people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I looked at the majors. I, I thought about my strengths and my weaknesses. I wanted to go into business, but they had too many math classes for some weird reason. And then I saw communication. I remember looking to my friend when we were looking through the book. Uh, this was back in the day when they actually had like the physical book. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, well, I'm always going to communicate. So I was just major in communication and I majored in communication. And then I just fell in love with every part of the process of interpersonal, um, public speaking, like all of it. I just always love to communicate. So then, you know, when you're looking back and hindsight is 2010, um, <laughs> it was like, OK, well, if I want to be good at business, I need to be able to communicate to my client, you know, what my services are going to do. And then as you go up in business, you need to be able to communicate to yourself how powerful you are, how impactful your service, your product can impact someone. So that's really why, um, you know, I said at the onset, if you want to be successful in anything, communication, and it doesn't matter if you're shy, it doesn't matter if you're introverted and you don't uh, necessarily, and I'm using air quotes, like to people, um, you still have to be a good communicator. And so that's just the bedrock of everything. And I think a lot of people overlook that sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Um, Because that's how we connect, really, and on so many different levels. Um, And I'm, I love because I saw on your website, too, like you um, speak with colleges, you speak with corporate leaders, there's, that's a, to me, like two totally different ballparks. (laughs) And how do you prepare for each one? Because I presume they both have different needs and, um, and, and you're traveling all over the country, um, to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, they're, 
totally different groups. Um, I started with colleges uh, because it was the it was the easiest uh, way in to, to public speaking, to pay public speaking, because uh, I graduated when I was 22 and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my public speaking professor, he said, you're a great public speaker. You should be a professional speaker. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. And I uh, found out that they pay Emmy, they pay a lot of money um, to to pay speakers um, to to come in and speak to audiences. The problem I had at 22 was a problem that most 22 year olds have. Who's really going to listen to them? You know, yeah. Uh, there's really no credibility there um, as far as I'm going to pay you to come in and speak to my company, but colleges pay. And then I figured out the college market and I found out, okay, this is what they look for. This is you know who they look to hire. Um, I was still essentially a peer at that point. So I wasn't getting paid a lot, but I was getting paid to come in and, you know, energize them, motivate them. I'd already written a book uh, by that time. So it was like, ooh, you wrote a book and you're in your 20s. How'd you do that? So I started with colleges and learned the audience, learned the messaging. And then once I started getting involved in corporate a few years ago, the major difference is the outcome. Mm-hmm of what what each person wants. If a college group brings you in, they're less concerned about the the productivity, the 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 profit margin right, right. of what the students do. It's can you keep their attention? Can you give them some good overall ideas and themes? Can you give them some practical things to do to be successful? Right. Boom. Got that. When you transition into the corporate space, it's more what can you do to create this outcome? We're off, we're operating at a profit margin that's here. How can you help us get here? Right. There's an issue with diversity, equity, and inclusion. How can you help our leaders become more inclusive? And so that's where I, I started integrating more into the communication work because I honestly believe that in in America and in different places of the world, we don't really have a diversity problem more than we have a communication problem. We have a, a miscommunication. If I sat down and spoke with you, Emmy, long enough, you would find something about me that you didn't like. <laughs> long enough. If we talk long enough, you would right. find something. Right. But the opposite is also true. Absolutely. You would find some things that you would love about me. That's everybody. The issue is we don't communicate with each other long enough and deeply enough to figure out those things and to discern what's valuable and what's not. There's mm-hmm. some things that that I do that like, I don't understand why he would do that or why would you do that? But a lot of times things are labeled as, oh, this is a diversity issue or because I'm black or because you're white or because you're a woman and I'm a, whatever it is. Right. When we sit down and we talk long enough and deeply enough and thoughtful enough, then we can solve most of our problems. And so when I come to companies, that's that's the dialogue that I bring with my research and with uh, my different uh, presentations. It's not just, oh, well, you need to learn how to use the language, the diverse language. No. What's the issue? Let's talk about it. Okay, there's the issue. And as of this recording, yeah, um, in uh, America, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Mm-hmm. So for women and many people that have been connected to all of that, that's a really big deal. Yeah. But if you don't think that's a big deal, 
it's probably because you don't really understand it. Or there is the small possibility that you don't care. Cool. Either way, when we're communicating whatever sentiment that is, we have to be very sensitive and mindful of how other people feel. It's just the way we communicate that. You can think whatever you think, but how you communicate what you think is really the issue. Right, right. Why do you think that we don't communicate as well as we could? Because we're not taught to. Okay. It, it's it's all about programming and and using the different information and data that we're brought into. We grow up as human beings siloed um, in our families, in our churches, in our schools. This is how we do things. And because that's how we do things, we believe that that's the best way to do things. Mm-hmm. And that that's everybody. That's not an issue with a particular group. We just believe that that's the best way to do things. And if it's worked for you, <laughs> that makes it even more so more cemented in your mind. So right, if right. it's worked for you, you're successful or you've, you've uh, been promoted or you, you have a good family life or whatever, you believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult for most people to acquiesce to, oh, well, maybe it's, it's good for them, too. And then understanding this, and this is something I tell people all the time as a parent, we don't, we're all kids with bills and responsibilities. And one thing that we know about kids is kids believe that the world revolves around them. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. So do we. So because of that, it's hard to communicate that I can't, nobody will, would ever do this, but they do it in different ways. Nobody will ever come to work. Nobody will ever come to their place of business and say, you know what? Um, I really don't care about what you think. It's really about what I think only. And you're just going to have to get along with it. No boss is going to do that. No CEO of a company, no small business owner is going to do that. But inherently, that's how we think. Mm -hmm. And so because we can't communicate that by fear of being shunned and outcasted, we try to find creative ways to do it. and, And people just they're not taught well how to do it. And so that's one of the things that I help people do is I help first work on your intrapersonal communication. That's what you say to you, what you believe about you, your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, your, uh, your attitude, like, what is that? And let's assess that and look at that. And then as we look forward, let's see how the other person thinks and reacts. And here's the last point that I'll say, if you learn how to be a powerful communicator, you can get anything you want and more people will like you and more work will get done and you can still keep your opinions and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is giving people time to hear you too, right? Like it's, it's not just the words you're using or what you're saying or the message, but it's uh, giving people the opportunity to process what is being said. Yeah. And it's hard. Like it's, I don't want to, to, um, kind of give people the illusion that it's easy, it's difficult. Um, Words are hard. Um, I remember a quote by Shakespeare. He said, my best is making old words sound new. And though all the words that we have, all the words that that we see, it's difficult, especially if you're face-to-face with somebody and emotions are a little high. It's really difficult to have those conversations. And one piece of advice that I suggest to people is to step back from it. And, And I... When anything happens, Emmy, if an unarmed black man is killed, if a Supreme Court overrules something, if a celebrity 
has a verbal faux pas, whatever it is, I always ask my audiences, I say, do y'all want to know what I said about this? Y'all want to know? Are y'all ready? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. I give everything three business days before I ever comment about anything. Because usually what will happen is something else will happen. Usually. Sometimes things linger. But then after I waited those three business days, I've gotten busy doing work that actually pays my bills and fulfills my spirit. (laughs) And so I don't focus on it. That doesn't mean that I don't have an opinion. That doesn't mean that I don't care. But I know in context, I cannot share my deep feelings about deep issues on social media. Because right, you right. you misinterpret it without right. unless unless you 100% agree with me you right. misinterpret it that's a communication thing so that's one reason why I don't I don't comment on it I don't say things about it because in context we won't be on the same page now if we have a private conversation I'll tell you everything that you need to know but in context and I think if we if people more people would practice that just stepping away. Let the pundits have their time. Let the trolls do what they do. Just watch, observe, laugh, get angry, whatever you want to do, but do it privately because that helps with your communication. Then when you get in person with somebody and they're like, oh, so what do you think about this? You have more cause to be like, I think it's unfortunate. And you're able to think more mm-hmm. before you communicate. And I think that's one of the the biggest benefits of using that social media strategy I just yeah. talked about. Yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense, particularly because everything's so snippetized, right? It's and sometimes those snippets are all put together to create something, some other new message that was never actually the intent of what the whole conversation was. Absolutely. And there's an agenda. I, I want to I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that because that's not the direction I want to go. Right, right. But we we have to understand that almost everything that we see is orchestrated. And I'll give you a quick example. So we were talking earlier, it's like my wife and I, we went to the BET Awards. And if you don't know what BET is, Black Entertainment Television, it's you know a big network um, on cable. And so we went to the BET Awards. We're in the audience sitting amongst the celebrities and everything. The way they orchestrate the show is really cool to see. They're like, all right, all right, everybody, all right, everybody, because everybody wants to get up, take pictures with the celebrities. If, they, if they're, if they like, sitting close enough, they want to, oh, my gosh, I loved you. That's what everybody wants to do. So you have to try to catch somebody, like, without, like, oh, there, somebody's walking, let me go. And then, like, oh, we got a minute. Like a big voice all over this. Well, we got a minute and everybody has to sit down. We're going to be starting camera two over here. So we've got to sit down in this section. We've got to make sure we're seated. And then we got 10 seconds to come. Five, four, everybody start clapping. Everybody start clapping. It's like, that's what you're. So when you're watching live on television and you don't hear all of that, you just, you come back. Everybody's. <laughs> it's orchestrated. It's orchestrated. And this is an award show. Right. I'm going to tell you something else because I like you and I and I want your audience to to really understand what I'm saying as it relates to communication. Most of the people at those award shows are not celebrities. Some people probably knew that other people maybe didn't. When I say most, if there were 2000 people there on Sunday in L.A., 300 of them were celebrities. Most of the people were 
casted audience members. That's exactly what we were called and seat fillers. Now, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Because they want to make it look like to the sponsors, to the people watching on television that, oh, my gosh, look at all these people here. It's orchestrated. And again, this is an award show. So do you think that the news that we see, the agendas that are pushed forward, you don't think that there's a voice saying, hey, this is what we're going to do here. This is what there is. And so being mindful of that, we have to understand not to play into it Mm -hmm. to make our lives tougher. So if we're going to play into it, let's make our lives better. And the best way to do that is to learn how to communicate and learn that things are orchestrated. Don't play into it. There's a reason why this news story goes to the top and this other one goes to the bottom. There's a reason why these things happen. So we have to our internal communication has to raise a level to to overcome the strategies of those that control the external communication through the mass media. Yeah, absolutely. And so well said. So you are living your work. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. And I find it really interesting too, because we're so polarized and um, I really feel like if we took a little more time to educate ourselves on what everybody belief systems or thought processes were, it would help open communication and less angry dialogues. Absolutely. And so polarization is profitable. Right. That's one thing that everybody has to understand it. That's why we have a two party system um, that because it's easier for you to it's easier for whoever benefits. Okay. Pick one side. Because if there are only two sides for you to pick, if you don't pick the one side, then you're going to go to the other side. You're going to lean one way or the other, whichever way you lean, then I know where to throw my advertising dollars. Yeah. So if you watch this news, you probably like this. If you click on this, you're probably going to like this. So it's easier to, to track that. Also, as far as polarization goes, This is going to sound cliche, but cliches work. We're so much more alike than we are different. And the the power in people is in unity, but also there's not a lot of money in it (laughs) it, pertaining to um, the the companies and and the different. There's not a lot of money in everybody being together. And so it's best if we're polarized. And I'm not saying that you don't need to pick a team. Sometimes you do need to pick a team. Sometimes you do need to, this is where I stand. This is where I don't stand. You absolutely need to do that. But depending on the work that you do, depending on the companies that you work for, you've got to understand that you're, you're on that team. Yeah. So you're on the team of your company. You're on the team of the business. You're on the team of the clients that you serve. That's the team you're on. Right. And right. so if we declare that and we're able to communicate to those people better, then we can create our, you know, our, our foe, or we're going against this. And if you are in a cause that, that wants to unify people, the enemy has to be dissension. So that that's where you pick the enemy. Oh, well, they're trying to do this. Let's make sure that we're against that. And I, and I think we could step back again to use your language from the polarizing uh, poisonous dialogue because mm-hmm. it really is. And, and it's really um, the type of toxic entertainment that we don't need. No, we don't. And it's been interesting for me because I've 
met people who have very different belief systems than I do, and that's fine. But a lot of times um, their conversation and not necessarily people who have different um, belief systems from me, but I'm saying people in general, a lot of times they, my experience has been the conversation will start with, well, you're wrong because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I haven't even opened my mouth yet. <laughs> it's like they, people don't want to hear what the other person has to say, because then it'll, it may break down what their belief system is. And one, I find that frustrating, but two, when you start to be more open and hear the other side and look at things differently, it's easier to understand where that person's coming from. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I would love to offer a, a trick for if you're engaged in active dialogue with somebody and they're, they have that posture of, oh, you're wrong or what now you want a trick. Yeah, absolutely. And my so listeners trick, want a trick. <laughs> this is a trick. And I, and I got this from my dad, as I said earlier, whenever you're talking to somebody and they, they adamantly disagree with your stance, the best way to disarm them is to agree with them. And here's what I mean. Right. Oh, Emmy, you're wrong. If you then go say, I could be, you know what? You're right. I definitely could be wrong. Why do you think I'm wrong? And then just listen to what they have to say. And at that point, they're like, they're first of all, they're like, well, oh, well, uh, most people, they'll be thrown off by that. Yeah. So then whatever stance that they had that they were cemented in, they'll be like, okay, well, yeah, you're you're wrong. You could do it in your, for those listening, in your intimate relationships. If you're a spouse, if you're a significant other, and so I can't believe you do that. Like, you're right. You're right. Tell me about what I should have done better. And do it in a tone that's not petty, that's not sarcastic. Just tell me what I could have done better. Mm -hmm. And listen. What you'll find is that the other person will tell you the root of if they're upset with you, they'll tell you why. If somebody is arguing a point, they'll display all of the ways that you can poke holes in it if you choose to. Then the follow up after they say all of the stuff that they say is got it. Okay, can we agree? And it's very important to use. Can we agree that what you believe is true? But something else could also be true. Don't say what you believe, but say say something else could also be true. Is can we agree? I love most that. people will be like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It doesn't have to be. Or you could use this. Um, if it depends on the relationship you have with the person, depends on how deep you want to go with them. Like, have you ever thought something that you thought was true and it turned out that it wasn't? Everybody, again, if they're intelligent, if they're willing to engage, it's like, yeah, okay. And then you go on with whatever you want to. But I find that most energy is is given at playing the the game of uh, people call it devil's advocate. People call Mm -hmm. it whatever. Like be your own devil's advocate. Like, oh, we don't like like I I use it all the time because whenever I speak and I say things like I don't really think we have a diversity problem. I think we have a communication problem. (gasps) Odell, as a black man in America, are you serious right now? Are you serious? Okay. Yeah, let's talk about it. Like, what do you think? And then it's like, tell me, tell me why you believe that that's wrong. And usually they'll give me all of the data <laughs> and arm me with, right. So if we communicated better, things would be better, right? Oh, that's what I meant. Like, that's all I meant. I didn't say right. that there wasn't a diversity problem. 
I said the the biggest problem we have is communication. So that's just a couple of things that for those listening, if you choose to engage, my stance is don't. Unless you like the person, unless it's somebody that you work with, that you do life with, don't engage. It's not worth it. But if you do engage, just disarm them by agreeing with them. Right, right. That is absolutely brilliant. Uh, And I agree, too. Like, sometimes it's not even worth disarming them. Like, it's just easier to not have the conversation. So. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, people need education. Um, that's why when when people ask me, uh, friends will ask me to, why don't you share stuff on social media? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll save it for my book. I'll save it for my podcast. I'll save it for, you know, when we have dinner or something like I'll save it for lunch. Like, I don't like, right. I don't do all that because I'm and for a long time, a, a good friend of mine. It was the opposite. When I was first starting my career, you know, I was in my 20s. And uh, one, he's one of my best friends. He had these really deep insights on things. And I said, dude, why don't you share this stuff? And he said, because nobody cares. Because I'm not going to share. And I'm like, nah, you got to you gotta share because you can educate some people. You can do all this. And he was like, nah, you, when you get older, you'll learn. <laughs> he said, you'll, you'll learn it. It's not worth it. And as I started getting older and I have conversations with him, he was like, see? He said, I, but I had to, he said, I had to let you figure it out for yourself. And a lot of times we have to to learn that it's just when right. you're in a corporate setting or you're in a setting where you do business with people or different things like that. It's, it's a longer game. So it's a little more difficult, but mm-hmm. that's why the inner work is more important than, you know, learning all the, the newest fads or learning all the, the, the newest trends in uh, media and news. Yeah. Yeah. You said earlier that doing the inner work, the the way you're talking to yourself and communicating with yourself is kind of the first step in improving your communication skills. What is something or a couple of some things that um, people can start either checking in with themselves or figuring out how that they can, they can talk more pleasantly, more, you know, kinder. Cause I think a lot of times we've got a lot of negative dialogue going on in our heads. Yeah, I would ask yourself really, really good questions. Um, that, that would be the first thing that, that I say. And uh, for sake of time, I won't share like all of these, but uh, whenever I speak, I always give uh, what I call the five greatest questions in the world. And it's, it's kind of a, a remix of, um, of a presentation I heard a long time ago. But you ask yourself like five questions and I'll go over them really quick. I'm not going to go too deep because of time. But the first question is, who am I? Mm-hmm. The second question is, where am I from? The third question is, why am I here? The fourth question is, what am I capable of doing with my time here? And the fifth question is, how will I be remembered to those I was assigned to? And so those five questions, if you answer those questions, that's where the inner work starts. Because if you identify who you are, then you identify the type of activity that you need to be taking to become the best version of that if you identify where you're from, and I don't mean location, I mean genealogy, who raised you, uh, your ancestral background, all of that stuff, then you be, you're able to identify your deep-seated beliefs. And then you're able to discern if that's good or not. Then the third question, why am I here, is mm-hmm. all about your purpose and why, why you're here and how you're going to uplift your um, fellow man and woman. And then the fourth question speaks to your potential. What am I capable of doing with my time here? And Emmy, I believe both of us probably believe that human potential is limitless. There, right. There's no limit on it except time. Uh, we don't 
know how much time we have. And so we understand how much, how little time we have, then we'll spend less time in things that don't matter, which leads to the fifth question. How will I be remembered by those I was assigned to? There are particular people that you were put in this world to impact. And there's only a few, there's not gazillion million, whatever. I mean, you can, you can lightly impact those people maybe, but odds are there's a group of people that you were brought here to make an impact on Mm -hmm. find those people and if you start asking yourself those types of questions, all the other stuff becomes trivial at, at best. Those are really powerful questions. I'm curious, in one of your books, do you have these five questions so people could kind of delve into it and with more depth or do they have to hear you speak? Yeah, of course. That, I think in my book, Refuse to Lose, okay. uh, Six Ways to Overcome Obstacles and Win the Game of Life, um, they're in there. Okay. And then my book, uh, Why I Fire My White Best Friend, uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they're in there as well. Okay. Awesome. And where can people get uh, your books too? Best place is Amazon. That's the best place uh, you should be. If you have Prime, you'll get it. Um, by the time you finish remembering you listen to this episode. <laughs> Instantaneous. Uh, I've had stuff show up from Amazon in like three hours recently. It's been really wow creepy. <laughs> so, They're taking over the world. So just be prepared for that. They are. They are. And I kind of go back and forth because I love like local, you know, small businesses and um, local food. And Amazon's kind of my guilty pleasure. <laughs> as well. So well, this has been amazing. And I love the conversation we've been having. Um, Share with everybody where they can connect with you. Um, We're going to have all your links in the show notes. I highly recommend everybody connects with you on uh, Instagram and and LinkedIn, at least. For sure. Well, I have a pretty unique name, Odell Bazell. Um, There's two L's on Odell and two Z's and two L's on Bazell. So Odell Bazell, and you put that into Instagram, it'll pop up. You put that in the LinkedIn, it'll pop up. Or you put it in the Amazon, it'll pop up. So as far as I know, I'm the only Odell Bazil living and breathing. Uh, so um, <laughs> at, le- at least in the United States, at least on social media. So um, you, you can find me there. I'm, mo- I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. And, uh, and yeah, so find me there. Or if you're interested in, in getting some public speaking coaching, or uh, you want to get paid to speak, because uh, I help people uh, turn their public speaking into a profitable venture, you can go to publicspeakingprofits.com and there's a free course there uh, to kind of start you off. Awesome. I'm going to share that with a couple of my clients then because it's kind of next on their bucket list as they're scaling their businesses is to start being paid and and connecting through speaking because it's so powerful. So wonderful. Love it. Well, Amy, I appreciate your time. Uh, Anything that I can do, I'm going to say it as we're recording. Anything I can do to help add to you, add to your audience, let me know. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I have loved having you on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind 
hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders.